Welcome to Ag Matters, a podcast where we talk about both matters of agriculture and why agriculture matters. Here's your host, Dr. Amanda Stone, Mississippi State University Assistant Professor and Extension Dairy Specialist. So welcome to the second part of the economics um, episode series. We have um, Dr. Bill Herndon and Dr. Josh Maples with us today, and they are both ag economists. If you didn't listen to the first part of this episode series, um, I do recommend you going back and listening to it because some of that information um, will help you to understand where we're we're starting at from this point. Um, And we do reference a few time date sensitive um, issues. So I just wanted to let you know that this episode is recorded on February 25th. So whenever it airs, when we talk about yesterday or last week or whatever, um, it's not going to be referencing the week that it actually is. So we're going to pick up where episode one or part one left off here, which is actually discussing um, cultural differences and exports. And India, certainly, they, that country produces more milk than any other country around the world. Mm-hmm but it's mostly buffalo milk. Uh-huh. So uh, it's a little different than the milk that we're producing here. Have I've you ever a, had it? I have, I've been to India several times, and it's different. So yeah. I just say it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's still milk. Yeah, <laughs> so. right, right. Yeah. Well, and uh, culturally, obviously different, even within the U.S., different regions and different countries consume different products. So from a, a dairy perspective, I, I think it's a little bit different. You can make a few things with milk, right? But powdered milk, I feel like, is what we're mostly exporting because it's so perishable. So in the other commodities, are they having to alter what they do with the products to sell it? Yeah. So if you think about other meat products, I mean, frozen becomes a big deal. Um, It's just easier whenever it's frozen than it is fresh. So most of our exports go that route. Uh, Really interesting kind of current situation. Uh, I don't know if y'all seen the reports of all the shipping containers that are stacked up in the ports in China right now with the coronavirus issues that just aren't being able to get pushed into the Mm -hmm. country. Uh, That's really affecting meats, especially. I mean, think about beef and pork. Um, They can't sit there forever. I mean, they're in refrigerated or frozen containers most of the time, but uh, they can only sit in that port for so long. Uh, So they're, you know, trade is incredibly complex. And uh, it's, it's one of those deals where any little snag along the way can really affect what's going on. Um, so in, in dairy is certainly that case too. I mean, the types of products that you're shipping, uh, there's different risks associated with depending on the form of the product's in. Uh, so we're, we're, we're kind of seeing a unique case of that playing out right now with beef and poultry and pork. Mm-hmm. And it does make a big deal about what this coronavirus is. I was, I, I got, you know, the first couple, several weeks when the outbreak occurred and Essentially, everything was being blamed on the coronavirus. Uh, everything from, you know, why you weren't getting your cleaning done to whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It was, I, I kind of got. And then we heard yesterday that, and we saw yesterday that uh, the Dow Jones average dropped over a thousand points because of the spreading uh, coronavirus to other countries like South Korea and many other countries in the South, Southeast Asia. Um, and really based upon the fact that uh, Apple wasn't going to be able to get their components made for their iPhones. Yep. So that's how, oh. how interconnected our economies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's getting scary now. 
Yeah, and, and ag certainly didn't get left out of that yesterday. No. So we, uh, you know, the cattle markets, beef cattle markets were limit down yesterday for feeder cattle. I mean, they were down sharply. Uh, live cattle were too. Soybeans were down like 15 cents yesterday. Uh, I didn't check the dairy market specifically, but but basically whenever you have a day like yesterday, I mean, the overall, you know, Dow Jones average was down 3.5%, worst day in, since 2018, I think. Um Ag gets caught up in that. You know, people, traders, it's not just ag people who are trading ag commodities. And uh-huh. so what you see is people in a day like yesterday start looking for a safe haven to put their put their money. Um, and ag was not that safe haven. I mean, if you're you're thinking about consumption, consumption uncertainty is basically what this comes down to, Dr. Herndon. Yeah. And, you know, if you're worried about consumption uncertainty, then you're not going to put your money into a consumable product. So... Uh, th- we're in a really uncertain week. I mean, mm-hmm. yesterday was just a rough day for ag products, and uh, we're kind of in a really uncertain time because nobody go- knows where this thing's going. Yeah, markets get into momentums, and once you know there's a momentum up or down, then everybody jumps on the bandwagon, and everybody and, and most rational people <laughs> that really understand the fundamentals of markets know that it's going to come back and it's mm-hmm. going to recover, but when and and how long it takes us to get back are the questions and how much money is going to be lost and made in that time period is is what those traders are, are betting their lives on and mm-hmm. livelihoods on. Uh, so there's a lot of so much uncertainty right now from trade deals to uh, these things about the coronavirus and things being uh, so uncertain that uh, you just sort of want to, you know, lock up the house and stay in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah it is a, a scary time to be in agriculture, but hopefully at the end of the scary time is something really positive. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is going to come back. Mm-hmm. It's just when and, and how quickly. So mm-hmm. it's, And it's just important to consider risk management. I mean, it, it, always important to consider risk management. I know, Dr. Turner, if you want to talk about, we've got some risk management tools for dairy producers, and they've actually gotten a lot better uh, the last couple of years. Yeah, we have, and uh, we've we 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 try to talk about those. And uh, to be frank, we haven't had a lot of uh, buy-in from producers mm-hmm. uh, because of the federal order system. They're they're used to doing that, and the federal order system has been so rigid and difficult to understand that that mm-hmm. sort of cause the price management schemes or risk management schemes to sort of get left on the side sideline. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not an economist, but I, I think and feel like risk management is important, even if times are positive, right? You still need to sure. figure out Absolutely. what you're going to do, right? Um, and I think one thing that I noticed when um, times were really good in like 20. 20- 14-ish, um, that some producers were really investing in their operations and saving money, investing money where I feel like was going to help them in the future. And it seems like anecdotally, I, I don't have data on this, but it seems like those were the ones who really set themselves up for this horrible time. So is that actually true or am I just thinking that happened? <laughs> well, it's it's certainly easier to weather tough times if you've built up some reserves, right? And uh, and we, we saw that in cattle and you know beef industry too. 2014 was uh-huh. the year for for beef uh, producers, uh, just making a whole lot of money. I mean, just you know relative to other years, especially. And so, what do you do with that? I mean, when, when you have a when you have a boom, a, a really big year like that, um, 
you know, do you immediately invest it back into your herd? Uh, do you just take it out as profit? Um, and so, you know, I think the goal here is to, to make sure that you're taking a long-term view. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's, I think that's one of the most important things for producers of any commodity to do. You're not producing year to year. You know, you're producing, you're in this thing for the long haul. And I think that's got to be a farm management decision up front mm-hmm. is, uh, okay, am I really just trying to make money year versus year? Or is this something I'm going to be doing for the next 30 years? And so just kind of keeping in mind your time horizon, I think, is one of the most important things mm-hmm. uh, that you can do as a commodity producer. Which often can be complicated, right? Because if you plan that you want to expand your herd, say, mm-hmm. in, in dairy or beef or, or whatever animal, at least, um, it's two years until a cow has a calf, right? Yep. So you're planning, hopefully, the right decision two years from now. Right. So when times are good, you can't just expand right exactly right yeah dairy's a lot longer than beef because you got to wait for that cow to go in their lactation Uh cycle so you're another two years on top of that Mm -hmm. so uh, instead of a two to three year cycle that's a five or six year cycle and that adds more uncertainty for dairy farmers and and amanda i think you're right you know you saw a lot of re and, and u.s farmers in general are very uh, good about reinvesting in their dairy, in their mm-hmm. operations, dairy or otherwise. Uh, historically, that's you know they're when they get an extra dollar, they want to invest in their operation. But how they invest in that operation is what makes the the good manager that's able to survive when it uh, when bad times come back and those that don't. Mm-hmm. So, and you know what's good for Josh. Maybe a lot different than what ha- is good for you, Amanda. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and there's and, and it all depends on your debt structure and a lot of other factors that are in the background to how you reinvest in your op- operation when times are good, so you can weather through those bad times. Mm-hmm. Do a lot of producers of, of any commodity have, I guess, well documented or, or records of some sort of how much everything costs and how they invest and what they do with their money and what they should do with their money. Uh, uh, That's the other thing that Josh and folks like Josh and I have struggled with over our careers is trying to help farmers understand what it costs them to produce their commodity. And a lot of farmers don't do it. Mm -hmm. And they just, you know, they just, they know at the end of the day that, uh, especially in the beef industry, well, I've got this bill, uh, I need to go sell some cows. Mm-hmm. That's how they decide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the cows become their, their bank, their banker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's less so in the dairy market, even though dairy farmers do it as well when they sell cull cows and mm-hmm. heifers in the same way. Uh, so um, anyway, that's how I, but again, I've, I've struggled with, you know, we, we build uh, tools to uh, help, Farmers understand what it takes to estimate what it costs them to produce their commodity, uh, and it is different for everyone. Mm-hmm. You, you can't say, take a cookie cutter and say this is what it costs you. Mm-hmm. And even though two farmers are right next to one another, and they may be, maybe even be kin folks, mm-hmm. or a father and son, or brothers, or uh, father daughter, you know, whoever whoever it might be. Uh, it's, it's going to be different, and it's and it's based on their management style and abilities and their debt structure. Mm-hmm. So. But there are people who can help with that, right, if they want to do that. You too, 
uh, are helpful. That's, that's, right? what we're, that's what we're here to do. Yes. I help them understand that. Good. And we do spend a lot of time doing that. We develop mm-hmm. budgets for them to help uh, that are very uh, uh, help-driven. Uh, help it's mm-hmm. almost like you pull up an Excel spreadsheet and it, you can walk through the, the process and it's it asks you what do you think what is your cost of doing this mm-hmm. what is your what's the number of cows what is their productivity uh, what's your debt structure uh, how many acres do you have and are you producing your own feed and all those types of things so do you uh, think people don't do it because they don't have time which they are very busy I, I won't deny that but or because they don't actually want to know what is happening I think first of all Amanda it's because it's it's time consuming mm-hmm. and there's you know dairy farmers wake up and they they want to do that and then they realize well my well's broken mm-hmm. or the compressor's broken i won't be able i got to do something or there's cows out you know it's it's a million other things that get in their way as as we say life gets in the way mm-hmm. uh, and dairy farmers certainly have a lot more of that than others Mm-hmm. the other type of producers. Definitely. And I think that's kind of where the large dairy farms have the advantage because they do, I mean, everyone has the same amount of hours per day, but they have people, they have the funds that they can hire people, right? So the management can actually Absolutely. manage instead of having to do all the daily tasks. Right. So the economies of scale, right? And that's my only economic term I'm going <laughs> to yeah. throw out in this podcast, <laughs> make a difference too on large farms, right? Absolutely. I mean, you just talk about all the fixed costs and, and, and being able to, your management costs are one of those things that you're going to have, whether you've got 200 head or 2000 head, right? So if you can spread those out across more cows, uh, then uh, that, that certainly gives you an advantage as a larger producer. Mm-hmm. And that manager can devote all their time on those decisions, those management st- decisions and not labor decisions, mm-hmm. not going out and having to feed cows or drive the tractor or milk the cows. Mm-hmm. And you know that that happens time and time again to dairy farmers when, you know, something happens unexpected, certainly unexpectedly, that they suddenly are not managing their out fixing tires, you mm-hmm. know. The, the tractor tire went flat. Now I got to go get a new one, mm-hmm. and it takes all day to go get one and put it on, and you know yeah. all those factors. When the amount of stuff that they have to be knowledgeable in it never ceases to impress me. Like they are mechanics, they're nutritionists, veterinarians. I mean, they have to do everything and paperwork and budgeting right. and all of that. To be refrigeration specialist, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it really is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. Compressor, compressor <laughs> repairman. And, yeah, well, and especially in in this area because I again I don't know much about the other industries in this area, but in dairy the infrastructure has has disappeared. Absolutely. Right? So they really don't have anyone else to yeah. depend on if they can't fix it. Sure. Their cows are not going to get milked, that's right? right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Are other industries did they lose their infrastructure too? Yeah, I mean to to a certain extent, I would say that. It's gotten to the point where the farmer, producer, whatever the commodity is, they have to really understand the tools they're using. Uh, now, you know, maybe some uh, equipment for some of the row crop farms, there's a little bit more support, or there is more support. Uh, but for a lot of the kind of unique tools that are unique to your particular business, 
um, and we're talking about rural areas to start with, uh, then you really have to kind of understand it and be be able to, to fix those things whenever they go out because there's there's probably not somebody right down the road that can help you with it. Well, certainly in the beef industry and yeah. the livestock industry, having a, access to a large animal, animal veterinarian yeah. mm-hmm. gets to be a channel, challenge. And certainly dairy farmers face that as well. So, uh, you know, and so mm-hmm. there's certainly all those things that add to the complexity of being a producer, no matter if it's milk or soybeans or anything else. Mm -hmm. Well, and being a large animal veterinarian is not all that desirable anymore, right? Because it's more expensive. You have to be on the road all the time because there's a large distance between farms. So I get why there aren't any, but we also do need more of them. So it it causes a lot of issues. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I know. I know our own College of Veterinary Medicine is trying to address that Mm -hmm. and provide scholarships to veterinary students to uh, with the hook that they have to go back to a rural area and -hmm. and at least uh, practice for several years to to get that grant that scholarship paid Uh, but you know there's still so much you know there's still so much more money in small animals Mm -hmm. and and pet care and not animal care yeah yeah Uh, so and the other thing is farmers are always a little bit reluctant to pay their veterinary. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. I've, I've been there before. Uh-huh. And as a result, you know, well, I don't know if that cow's worth the money that that veterinarian's just done it, mm-hmm. put in that animal. And uh, it's, a, it's a difficult decision to make. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, what else can you teach me that I haven't asked upon yet? I think this has been a really good discussion. I've enjoyed yeah, this. I, yeah. I think I've picked up some stuff. And I, th- I think one thing I would kind of add to it is, you know, we've we, we've talked about some of the issues and challenges. Uh, we we kind of scratched the surface on a lot of the stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I am continuously amazed by the producers in Mississippi and around mm-hmm. the country. And you know, we've, we've talked about all the stuff they have to know and be able to good at, be good at doing. Uh, it is just truly impressive. And I, and I think one thing that, you know, as we're talking about a lot of the challenges, you know, there are a bunch of benefits too, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's, uh, you know, a bunch of benefits to the, the way of life. And I think that's one of the most impressive things is you talk to producers and uh, you can sit there and talk to them for a long time about things that are are, are difficult in their, their operations, but they wouldn't do anything else. Uh-huh. You know, it is just... And I think that's one of my favorite things uh, about it. And I, and I certainly have that feeling, too, growing up on a farm is, you know, all these challenges just make you stronger and they make you better. Uh, and you get to do what you love and you get to be with animals. Um, and so it's just a it's a really cool lifestyle. And it, mm-hmm. it's, it makes it a whole lot of fun for folks like us, right, to get to work with these producers Absolutely. and, mm-hmm. and uh, see that they're fully invested. I mean, it's. It is a business, but these things are far more than just business decisions. Right. I mean, these are these are lifestyle decisions, and, and you can tell people are truly passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always been amazed with dairy farmers uh, and the fact that when I look at what they do, you know, milking a cow at least twice a day, every day, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And there's no ever a, a morning off or an afternoon off, much less a holiday or anything else. So, uh, so those dairy farmers, as, as I've witnessed, they really love cattle. Mm-hmm. They really love their cattle and they like to milk cows. And, uh, and it's just amazing to see how they manage all that. And, uh, it's, and that's the reason why I feel so compelled to try to 
be part of who who they are in their industry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, some other things that we're as we're looking at is as we as we think about federal order reform, those things probably will you know, farmers need to be on the lookout so they can at least let their local constituencies know what uh, they they think are the right ways mm-hmm. to go with federal order reform. Not that it's going to happen tomorrow or might even probably not even this year, but it's still something that's going to they need to be engaged in mm-hmm. uh, and make sure that they understand what the proposals are and and working with their folks in their organizations, their co-ops, their uh, their uh, farm bureau, both at the local, the state, and the national level is how they need to try to keep engaged with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one comment on Farm Bureau is that in I've lived in several other states right before coming here, um, is that Farm Bureau in Mississippi is so much stronger, I feel like, in helping farmers than some other states that I've been in. So it really is a good resource to get help and to partner with getting, you know, they actually listen to you and are fighting, out there fighting for you. So it's a really good, good corporation to get involved with. Well, I really appreciate having you all. I've learned a lot and I appreciate it. So um, make sure you tune in next time and like and subscribe. Ag Matters is produced and supported by the Mississippi State University Extension Service.